to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, oh, it was my absolute pleasure to welcome back to the show Megan Wagner Lloyd, Michelle Mean Nutter. I had them on the show to talk about their first book together, Allergic. They are back on the show to talk about their second book together, Squished, and it was a fascinating conversation. Uh, my daughter got to say hi. Uh, she's a huge fan of them. She got to say hi before we started recording. That was a huge treat and a huge delight. And I know you're going to love the episode. Before I get there, I want to let you know about the book. 11-year-old Avery Lee loves living in Hickory Valley, Maryland. She loves her neighborhood, school, and the end-of-summer fair she always goes to with her two best friends. But she's tired of feeling squished by her six siblings. They're noisy and chaotic, and the younger kids all love her a little too much. All Avery wants is her own room, her own space to be alone and make art. Megan Wagner Lloyd and Michelle Meenetter have once again teamed up to tell a funny, heartfelt, and charming story of family, friendship, and growing up. And believe me, you're going to enjoy the conversation. But before we get there, I do need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as they help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or at SelfUnbound.com. Now, without any further ado, let's get squished and talk to Megan Wagner Lloyd and Michelle Meenutter right after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm excited to have them both back on the show, Megan Wagner-Lloyd and Michelle Me Nutter. Megan, I'll ask you first, how are you doing today? And then Michelle, I'll, I'll ask you how you're doing. I'm doing great. Yes. And I'm doing great as well. I'm very excited. Thank you for having us back on the show. Of course, of course. So a little peek behind the curtain for folks. You know, I, um, one day my daughter will be thrilled that I'm mentioning the story. And then in a few years, she'll be less <laughs> thrilled. And then she'll be thrilled again. It's the, the circle <laughs> of life, right? So my daughter, um, self-proclaimed number one fan of Megan Wagner Lloyd, Michelle Mean Nutter, was, was ecstatic to get to meet the both of you before we started recording, ask some questions about Squish, to be able to share a little bit of her perspective on allergic um uh megan and michelle she asked y'all if y'all were really squished and so that was i know a big burning question that she had had so i appreciate y'all answering that for her um but i to say it's a delight to have you both on the show would be an understatement um it, it truly is an excitement and i had such a fun time talking about allergic and there's a fantastic new book squished that we're going to talk about. I've got several different questions that I'm excited to ask. But before we even get into all of that, here at the Detox Podcast, we do like to invite people to quote unquote detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives. And so, Michelle, I'll ask you first, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, that's a good question. I think pressures from the person that I really want to try to be. Um, in, in the sense where I, I have a lot of high expectations and I think I'm not as forgiving on myself as I am with my friends and my loved ones. And um, I, I think I could be a bit kinder to myself. So I'm kind of detoxing from my higher expectations that I hold for myself. I like that. Megan, how about you? Um, for me, I've just been in a really like busy season for the past few years, a little extra busy. And so... And sometimes that's unavoidable. That's just kind of where things fall. Everything's happening at once. But I had a little bit of a chance to slow things down a bit. And so I'm trying to, you know, seize the moment and make sure that I'm like not taking on new things um, and less, 
you know, it's feeling right. And, you know, kind of just moving at a slower pace for a little while. I like that. I found myself, um, I enjoy a lot of things and I'm interested in a lot Mm -hmm. of things. And that can be a detriment sometimes when there's a lot of exciting and fun projects that I see in front of me. And I've, I've taken the time the last year or two to really sort of narrow the scope of what I want to focus and finish on, as it were. And there's quite a few other things I enjoy that I've had to say, you know what, this has been great and I'm going to put it on the shelf for now and I'll pick it back up in a little bit. And I find that when I pick things back up, I've got a different perspective than when I'm trying to do maybe 20 different things at the same pace, which is completely unsustainable, even though we try (laughs) as humans to do all of them. Uh, But yeah, so I can completely empathize with both the um, sort of being harsher on on yourself Mm -hmm. than you would, um, than you are on others. And then also the need to try and slow down and and appreciate um, sort of the different pace of of things. So I love that. Um, I want to dive right into squid. Let's get squished as it were, right? I just squished myself into a ball. I did it for visual effect, and this is not the only podcast where people didn't even (laughs) see or hear that, but it's okay. The both of you saw it, so it works. Um, I want to ask, Megan, let me go to you first on what was it like progressing from allergic, you partnering with Michelle, and then deciding to partner again on a second book? What was that process like for you? So we knew we were going to make a second book together because we actually got a two book deal for Mm. allergic. Um, But when we uh, got the two book deal, then we allergic, we already had like the ideas mapped out. I had written some of it. Michelle had drawn characters, you know, so we had a pretty good idea where we were heading. And in fact, like writing the rest of it was fairly smooth because I had an outline, everything um planned out but when we sold the two book deal then for squished we just had like a paragraph um saying you know kind of that it was going to be a big family story and so then that was definitely more challenging um because then while michelle was illustrating allergic then i you know went on to write squish and I just didn't have um, the same like framework already prepared. And so I really had to learn um, (laughs) through trial and error um, by writing a whole version that I ended up tossing that I really needed to take the time to um, outline, to prepare ahead of time as much as we had with allergic. And then it it went a lot better um, and was a lot of fun. You threw an entire version out. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that was this, the only thing I kept was the setting. It was like a totally different family, totally different conflict, totally different main character. And it just was not working. Um, and so luckily I kind of started early. So um, because I was, I didn't want to put the whole project behind, you know, I wanted right. to be ready for when Michelle was ready to illustrate. Um, but, and normally I, I wouldn't be an like advocate, like, throwing away work you know I'd be like oh it just you need to revise it but every once in a while I I think we we were telling this story to kids when we went on the book tour and Mm -hmm. I was comparing it to like making a cake and sometimes you try to make one and it just comes out (laughs) like flat and you can't really like you just gotta restart at that point um and I'm and I'm really glad that I just went for it because it seemed like all the ideas when I started in were just so much fresher and mm-hmm. um and we really wanted it to like match allergic tonally and feel like oh you can hand this to a kid who loved allergic and that's what was missing in the first version. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's kind of how it went for me. It was a little bit up and down, but then once we got really I got really rolling with the new story, new characters, then I just like loved the uh you know, working with this family. I love it. Michelle, what was the process like for you? Obviously, Megan was talking about starting to write Squish while you were illustrating Allergic. <laughs> when you came to illustrate Squish, well, what sort of what part in the process was Megan at at that point? Well, I I guess, you know, we exchanged phone numbers. So like we've been in contact, you know, ever since the beginning of allergic. Sure. Um, and so I, 
I think Megan, you clued me in that, you know, you were kind of struggling a little bit and you couldn't find your footing. And I just was very reassuring. And I was like, literally anything you write, I will absolutely love. And I'm a fan forever. And, um, and so I didn't see those earlier revisions, but I did see the, you know, obviously the final, um, the final script that was approved by our editor. And so that's how it came to me. And then, um, you know, Megan does a wonderful job of pacing pages out and planning things in advance, but then obviously there's room to grow and add things. So uh, I kind of just took that and was really excited to add the, you know, this Korean family to it. That was really important to me. And we yeah. made sure to um, have a sensitivity reader and everything like that. And um, all of these things, you know, came together pretty seamlessly on my end. Um, I think there was a little bit of growing pains where I still felt very attached to allergic and Maggie and um, like all those family members. And so I kept on um, slipping maybe into characters that looked too similar or like I just needed to take a step to like be like, this is its own separate book. This has an, its own identity, but you can still feel, you know, the warmth that you had for allergic is still very much there with Squished. So that was, I think that was a growing pains for me. You know, I, I, the character of Avery Lee, right? So she's the the main character within within Squished, and she's so. Um, it's interesting. My my daughter asked uh, the question of, um, "Were both of you either Squished, right?" And then, and Megan, you know, you had the perspective where you're like, "Look, I think even if you're in a big family, or if you have a sibling, or even with just parents." And then Michelle, you echoed the sentiment of like, "Anyone can feel Squished," and I think, um, you know, perhaps someone in my household may be starting to explore some of those feelings um, in their in their own life, and perhaps it was a little relatable moment uh, for them. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested, uh, Michelle, I, I would like you to, to kind of elaborate on what it was like to illustrate sort of the busy mm. feeling of such a family like this, because you really did feel, at least for me when I'm reading it, you felt the, um, the fun chaos, as it were, yeah. of, of the Lee household, right? Every last Lee, every last Lee, load yeah. up, every yeah. last, right? I loved that line. <laughs> so what was it like illustrating that vibe? Uh, it was great because Megan did such an amazing job of um, piecing all this together. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, I would say, vague stage direction where um, there it isn't highly descriptive, but it says, you know, um, Julia and Josie come in, come crashing into the room. And like Megan has a really good job of adding descriptors that help me out a lot. Um, and I think for me, it was just trying to create something that visually felt tight but not claustrophobic like you felt like the characters were kind of squished together in the panels but there was still so much love and there was still some you know like room to breathe I wanted this book to feel chaotic but then you had some moments of peace and moments of quiet that you know you can get within um, a, a you know a tight-knit family like that um, growing up I grew up in a condo it was a two-bedroom condo it was very very tiny and um, so my parents and my brother and I were like always just like on top of each other and like couldn't get a spare inch of free space. And um, I loved to rollerblade and my mom was so sweet because she couldn't always take me out anywhere. I would rollerblade around our living room. We oh, had no. hardwood floors wow. and she let me rollerblade in the <laughs> living room while she cooked dinner because I was too young to like go anywhere. And like my dad would be taking my brother out to sports and stuff like that. So it like, I think the chaos of that tiny condo was very much the inspiration for the chaotic feeling that I tried to put into the pages. <laughs> I, that's incredible. And I got to just, <laughs> so we got my, uh, my kids some rollerblades for Christmas and their first breaking in was around the kitchen, uh, around <laughs> yeah. the kitchen Island, testing it out, um, uh, early morning. So I just, I, I can completely, mm -hmm. I, I just, I love that memory. Megan, I want to <laughs> ask you, um, so having been one, I think you said, I think you were telling my daughter one of six, right? So you were the third of six total kids. Um, what, Obviously, that was sort of the inspiration for some of the, the the characters and the stories. What drew you to the idea? I know you talked about that was part of the pitch, but what drew you to the idea of like, yes, this is this type of story is the story that I want to tell? So I thought for a long time, maybe for about 10 years, I thought I, I feel like I could tell a story about a big family. Like I have 
um, it's like I'm from a big family. My husband's from a big family. Even beyond like my childhood, I have like so many, you know, like nieces and nephews. I felt like I'd been in so many like family gatherings and situations where it was just like the kid chaos, you know? <laughs> and I did, I was like, I think I, you know, not everyone experiences um, you know, the big family experience. So I was like, this is something that feels kind of unique to me. And there's sort of a tradition in kids' books of some, um, you know, sometimes it's just like four kids, you know, which still feels like a big family, but there's these sort of big family stories. It's like, you know, for a long time, there's been this little thread of those kind of books. Um, and I think that you know, kids like them because it's like they they can have kind of like their favorite characters in the family. They can imagine, you know, where they would be in the lineup or, you know, how they would handle these different situations. And there's just the chaos. Um, <laughs> so for a long time, I felt like I could tell something like that. And I found even, I'd totally forgotten some of these, but I found recently, you know, some like half, some like ideas, some things I'd started with different, um, you know, big family stories, but yeah, nothing really clicked until um, doing the, then, but then once we were working on allergic, you know, even before we'd sold it, then I thought, oh, this could be like a second book because um, I just think, thinking how it would play out visually, you know, it's like with a graphic novel, you know, I want an idea that will work especially well as a graphic novel because I want there to be a reason that it's not a novel, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. what is the it specifically bringing, you know, t what is it being a graphic novel specifically bringing to it? And with Allergic, it felt like having the actual, um, like, illustration of the allergic reactions, you know, it's just very visceral. Yeah. And then with Squish, like, Michelle did so wonderfully bringing that, you know, chaos to the page, it, it just felt like it would just be really suited um, to the medium. So that's how, um, you know, ended up picking that. I... There's one particular part in the book. It, it was really funny. I um, was marking some parts in the book that I wanted to make sure and bring up. And my daughter's like, oh, you never finished it? And I'm like, no, I have post-it notes in there so I can remember where it is in the book. Cause she's like, why? Can't you just remember? It's page 46 or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm old. I'm getting up there in years, right? And then it doesn't help that I have a birthday coming up. And so she's also just like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, all right, you don't have to agree so quickly. But um, there's one part in the book that I loved and I just sort of let it sit with me for a while. I remember when I was reading it, it reminded me of another book that I'm going to bring up here in a moment. I know I've mentioned this at times on the show, um, but when I was reading, reading this section, I paused and, and didn't resume reading until sort of a full day later because I just wanted to sit with it. And there's this part towards, it's probably towards the end of the book. And Avery's hanging out with her friends and they're at the creek. And um, one of her friends says, uh, my mom always says this thing about how you can't step in the same river twice. Um, uh, it means just like water is always moving, people are always changing. So if we're ever at this creek again, it will be different, will be different, will be different too. Everything's always changing, whether we want it or not. And that's so profound. And it reminded me. So one of my favorite books, and I also have a, 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 an item here so I can remember a specific part, despite my daughter assuming that I have not finished any book in the entire world. Um, <laughs> it's the art, the art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker. I absolutely love this book. And there's a section in the book that I have quoted ad nauseum um, about how she says, we as humans don't give enough um, credit, I'm paraphrasing here, to um, hold, we don't hold enough space in the moments in which we gather to appreciate the fact that this is the only time in the history of the universe we will ever be in this place in our lives together. The next time we gather will be different. We three gathered to talk about allergic. We three are not in the same place that we're talking about squished. And, <laughs> and we've always moved, right? And so to put something so profound in this book where someone like my daughter and then later my son is going to read this, like, I wish someone had sort of given me those um, nuggets of wisdom when I was that age. 
Um, I got it later in life, but I just, I already can see some of these ideas taking root and this appreciate this deep appreciation for what we have, where we're at and where we're going. And so I want to ask, uh, I want to ask you both. So, uh, Megan, let me actually start with you and then I'll go to you, Michelle. What was sort of the, the impetus for, for putting that particular perspective within the book? Well, I was thinking a lot about um, just the difficulty of dealing with change mm. um, and also and like resistance to it, um, which I think most kids feel and, you know, I still feel a lot of and yeah, just like what you're saying about how so on the one hand, you don't want things to change but on the other hand there is this sort of magic to knowing that this like you know the moment you're in it's not going to happen again and you can kind of fully recognizing that there's literally nothing you can do to stop the changes <laughs> and um help you you know stick into that moment and appreciate it um it reminds me of this song by the flaming lips called do you realize i don't know if you guys know that one that yes. one to me just like expresses that feeling so fully mm. um and and then connected i just have this thing that i call my time freakouts. um it's when i just feel an overwhelming sense of like the passage of time Ooh. and i'll just feel like I don't, I just don't, I just feel like I don't know how to handle this. Like, and I, I started to feel like that, you know, I think when I was around Avery's age, like when I was really little, I don't think I was aware of time in that way, but you get a little bit older and, um, you know, you, you have that, I can't think of the word for it, but just kind of that little bit of sadness, even if it's a happy moment, because there's nothing you can do, you know, to keep that, to stop that, like, mm -hmm. momentum of time going and, you know, knowing, and then especially at big moments in your life, um, if you're moving or, you know, all kinds of milestone moments, you know, it can just really hit you in such a, um, like challenging, but also like emotional way. I think I was just drawing from all of that. <laughs> I love it. Michelle, I, what's your perspective in, in sort of seeing this type of message within a children's book such as Squished? Well, I absolutely love it. I also just started reading that book <gasps> and it is so good. I, I yes. was freaking out when you brought it out. I was like, oh my God. I was like, fangirling because I was like, this book is so good. It's so good. Oh, um, yes. Fantastic. Um, amazing read. But um, back to our book. Um, I, I absolutely loved that. You know, I, I love. Okay. So I love Megan's writing so much because of this exact reason. And I think that's why we mesh really well together because I think we're very introspective people and have, you know, always been that way, even at, at when we were younger. And I think that as, as the kids feel a lot of these big emotions and then um, if you don't stay in tune to those emotions, you know, when you get older, you might have a harder time seeing that for younger audiences. And I think our book's, you know, we try to do that justice to bring about those big emotions and not um, like play things down to a younger audience. And um, I think one of my favorite quotes, uh, I can't remember what movie it's from. I think it might be The Sandlot. I can't remember. But um, one of a, a quote that has stuck with me throughout my whole entire life is that um, one day you'll go playing with your friends and you won't realize it's the last time. And I think that I think about that all the time when like working on books like this, where there is a like change is a big component. And I think that is a huge thing for, you know, younger audiences and kids are going through those big changes. And um, we kind of take those big changes for granted as we get older, but those are really big events. So I think doing them justice is um, something that I, you know, am honored to attempt to do. <laughs> This year, 
this past, I don't know. Well, let me put it in, in perspective for people. So the 2022, 2023 school year, who knows when people are listening to this at this point, right? Um, mm. Was a big one for our family. It was the first time that my kids were able to go to school in person because mm-hmm. of COVID restrictions being um, different. Um, it was a big year of changes in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously going to school in person, second grade and kindergarten, that was a big deal. There's a lot of firsts. Um, it was hard. It was a very difficult year in a lot of ways. And it was a very rewarding year in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a moment where I became very, very uh, aware of the big changes that I had taken for granted and the passage of time as it didn't relate to me specifically, if that makes sense, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I found myself being extremely introspective the entire year with regards to understanding what, what are my kids experiencing for the first time at this particular moment? And so I really appreciated sort of seeing those themes. And I also think that's part of why some of those themes are starting to resonate in, in my household with some folks that have picked up the book, um, is what I would say. Um, I also wanted to share, when I finished the book, and I told my daughter I had finished it, um, I, I'll never forget. She said, isn't it so sad? One, two, three. And isn't it so happy? <laughs> and, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I was just like, Yes. And yes, she said, Mm -hmm. I love it. It is so sad and it is so happy. And it reminded me of the moment sort of inside out where Riley is having a memory of being with her Mm -hmm. team because she's moved away. And it was a happy memory and it was a sad memory because of of like they lost and then she was comforted and she had a nice moment with her family and she wouldn't be with that team anymore. And I think this sort of age of, of, of childhood is when we as individuals start experiencing those sort of happy, sad, happy, sad over and over again. And we're not quite sure what to do with all those feelings all the time. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious about, uh, Michelle, I'll go to you first. I'm curious about your perspective on sort of getting to have, getting to be part of a project where you're able to sort of allow kids to appreciate their big feelings while they're reading and then be mm-hmm. able to have the language and the tools to be able to kind of speak to what they're feeling happy and sad, right. In in one particular example. I, I love every minute of working on our books. I think, um, you know, I'll say it over and over and over again. I, 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 I'm really proud of being able to do that and getting the opportunity to do that. Uh, for, for me, it's hard to balance the, um, the emotions, because, I, I, you know, I want all of our characters to be extremely likable and I, I I want them to be, you know, every single character feels like a main character. Uh, and so when it came to Avery, I liked that there was this kind of complex narrative happening where she wanted space, but she also got so irritated sometimes too. And so I wanted to push the limits a little bit about a, with a character that, you know, showed that frustration, didn't shy away from, you know, being irritated and showing it, but then also showing as much affection as she does, you know, like letting her emotions kind of um, out. I wanted her to be a very emotional character and have it be shown because I think that's really important to not um, bottle up any of those. And she does a little bit out of fear, I believe, but, it, it, you know, being able to come to and grow into her emotions and like take on this new season of change was really exciting for me to, you know, take on. And then Megan, what's your perspective on on writing these themes for this type of audience? I mean, I think my perspective has even grown a little bit lately because when Allergic came out, then Michelle and I, you know, did everything virtually. So we didn't have a lot of interaction with our kid readers. Um, But then with Squish, then we were able to do an in-person book tour, go to schools, go to bookstores. And so all of a sudden we heard so much feedback from kids who had read Allergic and some of them had even already read squished and 
that just really um, drove home to me even more. Um, yeah, just how much I value really um, trying my best to make these um, these books that feel uh, very true to that age and don't um, like dumb down the experience that feel very respectful of um, the like emotions of that time of life. Um, so yeah, it is, it's something that I felt like was definitely there and I was aiming for, but now I even feel more um, like committed to doing that because I can see the, you know, the, what we tried to do in Allergic and Squish, I can, it's just so clear how it resonated and that just, you know, makes me so happy and just makes me want to like even be more committed to that in the future. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to have y'all come down to Texas for a book tour and perhaps maybe at the, a certain uh, elementary school that I'm aware of, <laughs> you know, perhaps we'll, we'll, I gotta see what I can do. Um, because I, I think that would be just fantastic. I want to, um, I want to add, there, there's, there's something I want to bring up because we are recording this on the heels of uh, AAPI Heritage Month here in the United States, just mm -hmm. just ending, right? And so we talked quite a bit about representation and uh, the importance of having it be a, uh, a a Korean family within Squished, right? And so Michelle, I, you have something very powerful in the acknowledgments where you talk about. Creating the Korean-American family in this book meant so much to me, particularly with the collective pain our AAPI community has felt. Thank you to everyone who stood by our voices and continue to hold space for us. I'm here because of the continued love and support of those around me, especially. And what I think is so powerful is... I want to I be intentional with how I word this. I think there's not anything specific in the text that calls out the Lee family as a Korean American family, right? That's an intentional choice. And if mm -hmm. I'm getting that wrong, please correct me. Um, it's an intentional choice to make them a Korean American family. And I think it is so important for, for young readers, older readers, for folks to, to see themselves represented, to see their neighbors represented, to see their friends represented in literature where historically there hasn't been a lot of representation and so we talked a bit about it in with allergic and so michelle i want to ask you about um what it means to you to be able to provide that representation mm -hmm. for such a new generation of readers who are uh consuming this book three four or five yeah. times in one sitting <laughs> it, it makes me really happy um it it you know starting on squished it brought me to tears and I got kind of nervous and anxious because I, I was really excited and of course like I'm Korean American but then I got nervous creating a Korean American family where I'm like well I'm adopted so I don't have a lot of Korean culture in my home I don't have a lot of roots to my Korean culture other than I am Korean American and I try my hardest to reconnect when I can um, and so I, I, you know, I felt this tightness in my chest where I was like, where, what right do I have? And then I, I you know, had the lovely people around me being like, that, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy for you to think that, of course you should. And so I was really excited and I was really, um, you know, proud. And I think it's also important that this is a family where that's not the main story. Right. I think that there are so many stories right now that are being um, purchased and like as as they should. Um, but um, a lot of publishers are kind of riding on this concept of our um, Asianness, our culture being the the central story, whether that's pain, heartache you know, trauma, like all of these things are, are the story, but we're also so much more, we're so many other things. And um, I think bringing a family where, you know, it is very much their identity, but it's not the loudest part about them. And the loudest part about them is how many of them are there and all the adventures they go on together and Avery's love for art. Like those are the things that are the central focus. It's so important to have stories where the central focus is something else 
and also it's a Korean American mm-hmm. family, right? Mm-hmm. Not to diminish because it is important to have the stories about the culture and the stories that yes. are important yes. for educational purposes, absolutely. And also it's great to have a story about a girl feeling squished and wanting to have her own space yes. and also loving her family, right? Because I see I see my kids compl- like how how do I want to word this? When they see different family dynamics is what I would mm-hmm. say. And and different and and folks of different um, ethnicities and different cultures mm-hmm. and different perspectives because of the different books and shows and 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 representation within media that they've seen where that has that has not been the central story they don't stop to say oh isn't this interesting that this is different than what i'm used to believing is the quote-unquote norm that's around me i'm using air quotes on purpose that i i remember growing up with i'm like oh i'm pausing because this is different Mm -hmm. it's it's just second nature it's like yes this is yes it's (laughs) it it's more of a focus on what the individuals are um, bringing from like a friend perspective, right? Than the fact that mm-hmm. they're Korean American or um, uh, or a different ethnicity, right? Or have uh, maybe mm-hmm. two moms or a different a family dynamic, right? It's not an mm-hmm. emphasis, an overemphasis on anything that is um, different than what they are than what they have in their home. It's just this is this is my friend Avery, right? This is my friend Avery, mm-hmm. and we're hanging out, and I and I, I love that. So Megan, um, what is what has been your perspective on getting the ability to have a book that is a medium for representation for so many different kids? I mean, for me, just with the process, I just felt like really excited for Michelle. Um, like, I like I could tell she was nervous, you know, like, <laughs> and um, but I was, I just felt like, yeah, like, do this, like, this, this is gonna be great, you know, and I like loved her character designs. And then you know, just like going through the manuscript together, making sure, you know, we were including any details we wanted to or making sure everything was a good fit. And yeah, I just felt really excited um, that, and we definitely like on our book tour, like I remember one kid being like, I'm American Korean. (laughs) It was like so cute. Um, And you could just see, you know, that was like really exciting um, for kids who were, you know, reading the book, seeing Michelle presenting with us, like, wow, we have this connection, Um, which totally like, I think I experienced more with allergic because I'm allergic to animals. And, you know, it could be like me too. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it was, it's just been um, really fun. Yeah, just especially to see that with Michelle. And I mean, especially because we were working on this book, like I basically wrote it in 2020 and then Michelle was working on 2021. So just the whole thing, I don't know. It just, it's such like a, like not in a saccharine way, but I feel like it's a very positive book and it was like really joyful to work on um, for both of us. So, I mean, not like, every moment because so there's always the hard part too but overall you know it was, it was really so yeah I'm, I'm just I'm excited it's out there um and I love the way it turned out and I love that I think I was worried with after allergic because we did have a little more like communication beforehand um kind of planning out allergic together but then with squished we were kind of like on the hamster wheel because like getting our <laughs> temper allergic starting right. switch we didn't quite have as much sort of like planning together beforehand mm-hmm. so then I had been worried like okay is Michelle gonna feel as connected to this one I want it to feel I I want us both to be bringing ourselves to it and for it we definitely like prioritize having it be a collaboration so uh, yeah, I was like all worried about that. And then, and then I felt I was like, so happy because I was like, Oh, no, I should have known Michelle would like know how to make this like hers as well and like bring herself to it. So I, yeah, I was... love that. Oh, well, as we're wrapping up, let me ask one final question before we head into the final segment of the show. Megan, I'll start with you and then Michelle, I'll come to you. So Meg, I want to ask you both. Um, what is a lesson that you hope kids get or take away from after having read squished megan i'll start with you 
Um, I mean, I hope, I think I'm looking more just for them to feel that connection, um, to feel more than like drawing a specific lesson from it, just to feel, just to have related to it, um, whether it's the family dynamics or the, you know, moving plot line or the friend um, plot line. They're just, I hope that they feel that um, connection to some things that might be going on in their own lives and feel, you know, I guess maybe as far as a message, kind of like there's some part at the end where Avery tells her sister like um, something like, you know, like kids don't get to make the big decisions right. like that, you know, like, and, th and that really is what it's like to be a kid. And, you know, you, you kind of <laughs> have to, um, in a way embrace, you know, but you know, I'm going to keep on going and keep on doing my best, even though the adults around me are going to mm. throw me into these new situations <laughs> I'm not necessarily ready for. I love it. Michelle, how about you? Oh, I think definitely the same as Megan, where I, I just want the, you know, every reader to find something that they can relate to. And if our books can hold up a little bit of a mirror into their own lives, then that that feels very wonderful. And I'm so honored to, you know, to, for that to happen. Uh, and if there's a takeaway, I think um, possibly... Um, I want I want to think about how I want to word this. Um, things might not turn out as you expect, but that doesn't mean that they will be worse off. It could be even better than you imagined. Because uh, I think Avery has all these expectations. And as the book goes and there are changes that are happening, I think she's very worried and very anxious about, you know, losing something. But, she, you know, you can gain something as well. That's a lesson we could all uh, use. Uh, I am just as guilty. I mean, like, now nah, I don't know about this. I yeah. am not sure. And that's like, you know, come on, Joe. Just get with the program. I love it. Squished. Please uh, look at your local bookstore, your independent bookstore. Please find ways to support your local community. Um, they need it. Uh, regardless get your hands on copy of squish i've got some links in the in the show notes for you to to get squished yourself get squished there we go there's a sound effect <laughs> that people can like visually put a joe squishing himself too um all right so let me go to the final part of the show things to check out it's a segment where i uh invite my guests to share something they're uh reading watching and or listening to and i will do the same so i've got a couple of so in in my household um <laughs> my kids are big fans of the show uh, Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir so that's something that has been a constant on our on uh, our screens and then recently uh, I introduced them to something that uh, my wife termed uh, is was my Ladybug and Cat Noir when I was growing up and that is the X-Men animated series on Disney Plus uh, the one from the 90s um, with uh, uh, my kids found my old Cyclops action figure that I had forgotten that I had. And so they've pulled it out and they're, they've got it and they're watching it. And so that's been a lot of fun to revisit that series through the eyes of my kids. My son, you know, mm -hmm. he watches about half of it. My daughter is, is like, wait a minute. Why are they upset? What are these robots called? Sentinels. Yes. Okay. Who's this guy that's floating? That's Magneto, right? And then what is the professor doing? He just keeps touching his head. Yes. Well, he's got you know telepathy and, and this is what he's doing. What's that thing he put on? That's Cerebro. I mean, we're just like going all in on X-Men. So it's a grand old time. Um, the book, uh, definitely get the art of gathering, how we meet and why it matters. And then because we are recording this within Pride Month, I want to promote former guest Ricky Tucker and his book in the category is about the history of ballroom um, and and his experience with ballroom. It's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. Um, you won't be disappointed. And check out the episode that I did with him. And then uh, listening to, uh, we're still rocking Harry's House by Harry Styles here in this household. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a good time. So, um, Michelle, mm -hmm. what are you reading, watching, and or listening to? And then, Megan, I'll come to you second. Okay, I'm going to grab the book because I am horrible with remembering names <laughs> of um, my new favorite 
creators, which is a sin, I swear. But um, so I started reading uh, Bell of, well, I read Bell of the Ball uh, by Mari Costa. Um, ah. It is so good. It is um, a young adult graphic novel um, about uh, a very, I would say, queer romance. Um, it, it's very fun. It's very exciting. And it reminded me of when I was struggling with, you know, my own emotions and sexual identity when I was a, when I was a teenager. Um, and then I'm also listening to um, um, a lot of audiobooks. Uh, Yellow Face by um, um, R.F. Kuang. Uh, so, so good. Um, um, yeah, and I'm just, you know, re-watching all of the Miyazaki movies on a loop perpetually forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, awesome. And then, Megan, how about you? Well, I just read Yellow Face by Hathcock. Good timing. And that was that was really good. And it was also, it's also a really fun one. You know, when the book is like, like the hot book and like, there's so much like dialogue about it and stuff. Yeah. And it's fun to like read it in a timely manner so you can like, <laughs> you know, know what everyone's talking about, um, which I always, like, that always happens with TV shows, but I never, like, achieve watching them at the mm -hmm. time when everyone else has, so, <laughs> like, you know, like, five years later, I'll be, like, or even I'll be, like, like, 10 years after a podcast started, I was, like, oh, my gosh, podcast. Um, <laughs> Did y'all know about Serial? It came out, yeah, like, nine exactly. years ago, and I just listened, yeah, no, I, so I, I'm, I, like, great. I, I'm on the trend this time. I read Yellowface, um, and it was really good. And then for kids' books, then I read um, A First Time for Everything, a middle grade graphic novel by Dan Santat. And I I loved that. I thought it was so good. Um, yeah, I've thought about it so many times since because it's all about like kind of getting out of your comfort zone. And I was like, wow, it's just like you were saying, I mean, as an adult, the, so many of the messages are still so <laughs> applicable. <laughs> um, and then I discovered, which I think a lot of people discovered this like during lockdown, but I didn't watch these, but I been like obsessed with watching all these like live animal um like webcams oh yes like the the <laughs> yes. sea lions at pier 39 yep. in yes. san francisco yes. you can watch them and i'm like and then the otters at the Monterey yes. Bay aquarium and uh, so i'm like i'll be like oh how are my how are my sea lions doing and i like check on them and then this was really funny um so then I went to the National Zoo and they had a bunch of ones and they had one for the naked mole rats. And Rufus. so I, I turned it on and I was like, oh, and then um, and then one jump scared me. Like it like just came out of nowhere and just like jumped at the camera, like, like literally like it was going to jump out. And I, I mean, it was just like a horror movie. I like screamed and left back. <laughs> So, you know, I'm totally 100% into these. <laughs> That's that reminds me of, I don't know if y'all watch Shit's Creek at all. Um, Faith yes. Passage, but there's a, there's a moment where the, where the vet um, is convinced to put a webcam on and, and he doesn't realize it's on and pointed at him when he decides to have a post-work workout um, and is <laughs> oh. removing said articles of clothing. It's, it's an incredible episode. Um, he's wondering so why good. he gets so popular overnight. All these webcams. <laughs> wow, I guess people really do care about the animals. Sure, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Right? Oh, I love it. Uh, perfect. Okay, so if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Megan, let me start with you. Um, so I have a website, MeganWagnerLloyd.com, and I'm on Instagram, also at MeganWagnerLloyd. And on my website, then you can sign up for a newsletter. I usually only send it like when I have a new book coming out and maybe once like around the holidays. So, um, but, and I'm pretty good about like keeping my events up to date on my website and stuff like that. So I need follow to me up. there. I need to sign up for the newsletter because I found out about Squish um, from my daughter's school <laughs> as opposed to a newsletter where I could have been uh, in the know. So yes, I will be signing up right away. And then Megan, how about you? Or, uh, sorry, so Megan, I, talk, Michelle, how about you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're we are we are both the same. We are, <laughs> Megan, we are the, the same person. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so for me, I mostly do Instagram. Um, I just joined TikTok as well. So uh, it they, both of those are uh, Buttersketch. It is Butterscotch, but instead of Scotch, it is Sketch. And it's a pun, and I love puns so much. Um, but yeah, I have a website too, but I have not updated it in years. So I will just leave you with the Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> that works. I... Uh rolled out a new website last year. I was super excited about it and I was very up to date and then I haven't been and I feel yep. a little bit of shame about that and we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. But yes. All right. So we know where to follow Megan and Michelle and sign up for all the newsletters and all the talks that are ticking uh, as it were uh, in the in the sketch world, not the scotch world. Um, that's a different kind of yes. podcast. We're actually getting into scotch time. No, I'm, I'm joking. That's what's happening here. All right. Thank you both so much for another like incredible conversation time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be back. Yes, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Of course. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.